this is this is the way the world ends. This is how it happens. <laughs> about the way people form relationships with games. And the ways that games facilitate relationships between people who play games. <laughs> we did it. We're getting so good at this. We're just, uh, we're going to go back and we're going to find it's been a little different every time. But. but obviously, like, we're getting more and more professional about this, especially now that we're sitting on the floor on a blanket in the closet. We learned, the ante. We learned that this is a more professional way to do things, mm -hmm. and we are committed to being as professional as we know how to be. The best that we can be. <laughs> That's a Legally Blonde reference, <laughs> if you're familiar with that musical. I'm afraid I'm not. Well. Sorry. So it's been, what, two, three weeks since we went to... Almost three weeks. Almost three weeks. How, how's, how have those three weeks been? You know, it's funny. Have you heard about, after like a big event, you might feel a little sad for a while, because mm -hmm. like after a wedding or like a prom, or what else do people look forward to? I don't know. Birth? <laughs> well, we might end up editing this out, but the thing that's coming to my mind is Top Drop, which is like, after a BDSM scene, sometimes oh. the person who is topping might, like, feel a little sad, because, like, the intensity and the excitement of that, you know, there's, a, there's like, an equal opposite reaction I in can, your emotional okay. state. that makes sense. Interesting. We'll see if we include that or not, but... Um, I, I felt like I, I was a little sad, like, the evening that we got home after Geekway, because it had just been such a great, magical, wonderful weekend, and, um, I was just, I was really sad it was over, but that doesn't mean I didn't love every second of it, so I can't complain. Yeah, I think I, if my reaction is any different, it was mainly just because I had to dive right back into work, and, yeah. uh, there was a lot to, there was a lot to do there, so I don't think I really... That that week was so hectic. I don't think I got to fully process it, but it was an intense four days of gaming. It was. I th I definitely think we went even harder than we had the year before. Oh, without a doubt. And we were not fooling around the first year. Yeah, we were we were quite good at it this yeah. time. Yeah. I don't think our partners are going to be able to keep up with us. No, absolutely not. They will need some kind of outlet. I know. What's that? What do they call it? Like spouse activities? What was that at Gen Con? They have some name for, like, the stuff that they have other people do who don't want to play games the whole time. You know what I'm talking about? It's, like, crafts and crap. I was not aware. Yeah. Like, they have certain activities. It's, like, making things or, like, going around indie and doing stuff. But they have, like, some kind of fucked up name for it, like, spouse activities. <laughs> and, uh... I'm, I'm like, okay, that's fair. We might need, like, spouse activities. At least, you know, so they get a break. But we're absolutely bringing more people next year. Not just our husbands slash wives, but also friends. I just plan to bully as many people I can into coming next year. Absolutely. It was a great time, man. We also met a few people. So. We did. So we hear the clips of the people. We, we will be putting in <laughs> clips of the people. So <laughs> we actually interviewed some people on the last day of the convention about their Geekway experience and advice. And we're going to be including, unfortunately, not all of every single thing that we recorded because this would be a million years long, but we did manage to have some highlights from the various wonderful, very 
broad range of people that we met uh, on the last day of the convention. It was loud, so you will hear some noise in the background, but I definitely think it's worth, uh, worth hearing from other people because we don't know everything. We're not geniuses. And let's hear some of those people introduce themselves. So, who are you? Hi, I'm David DeVos. Hey. Where are you from? <laughs> I'm from St. Louis. You are? Mark Geary. And are you from around here? I'm from Columbus, Ohio. Um, my name is Christopher Armstrong. I live in St. Louis, actually the Dogtown neighborhood of St. Louis. Oh, yeah. In- so could you just go ahead and say your name and where you're from? Yeah, my name's Carly. I'm from here in St. Louis. I live in Maplewood. So this is Lucy, and she's five. Uh, Vicky Mom and John Dad and Anna is nine. We're from St. Louis. Mike and Joe Fuchs from Belleville. And I'm Amy from Belleville. I'm Erica from St. Louis. This is my, I think it's my sixth gateway. Well, John, what was your favorite game of the convention? I would have to say Captain Sonar. I think of all, I mean, we played some truly phenomenal games, but I think there's nothing else we played that felt so natural and so exciting. And I think it's hard for board games, especially ones that, especially a game with like a tactical movement and fighting element, I think it's hard for games like that to be exciting because you're usually very bogged down with rules. Mm -hmm. But the design is so smart. They did such a good job of breaking it down so that everybody's got a simple thing to deal with, but the combination of those systems adds complexity and interest, but you can still run it fast enough that you don't think about the rules when you're playing. You think about, oh my god, is, is my crew support, uh, is my crew screwing up? Do they actually know where the sub is? Where are, you know, it's tense. It's really tense. It doesn't feel like a board game. It feels more like an escape room or mm-hmm. like a, a physical game in some ways. I think in a lot of ways it is. It, yeah. It, it's technically a board game because it's comes in a box and it's made by a board game publisher. But yeah, the design, it's just so unlike... It, it really doesn't take for granted most of the systems we see in other similar games. It's very much a unique game. I still feel like I can't think of any other game that's really similar. Certainly there are other real-time games. There are other games that rely on player cooperation and uh, deduction, but... Nothing with this quite similar mix of the yeah, I, mechanics. I the closest thing I can think of is Space Cadets Dice Duel, which, if you like Captain Sonar, I do think you would also like Space Cadets Dice Duel. Space Alert, actually. That would probably be the closest thing I could think of. Well, actu- actually, not quite, though, because Space Alert has this... Well, uh, yes and no, because it's... Wait, a- am I thinking of Space Alert or the other space game? I always get those mixed up. Not the Vlado one, but the other one. Space Cadets. Space Cadets, yes. Space Space Cadets Dice Duel is another team versus team game. Okay. But you are rolling dice for particular combinations, and really many of the systems are quite similar. Um, One game clearly inspired the other. But whereas Space Cadets still feels very board gamey, I think... Captain Sonar just sheds a lot of that. It, it tightens everything up. It streamlines it. If you're going to only own one of the two games, you absolutely want Captain Sonar. It feels more like an experience than a game. Yes. Another game that might be close and feel would be Escape. 
because it is certainly a real-time game, but also it's a very cooperative experience. Mm -hmm. However, it does still feel like a board game. Well, and I think the interest, because like you had mentioned Space Alert, which is also a similar idea of everybody operating a crew, mm -hmm. but there's a different dynamic when everybody is working against just an arbitrary timer, whereas in Captain Sonar, you're working against other players. That's a big piece. And you can kind of hear what they're doing. So a lot of the tension just comes, you know, it's not like in something like Space Alert where an alarm goes off and suddenly you're feeling tense. It's more like you hear the other, you hear the people across the table from you get excited and you're like, oh my god, why are they excited? What can they do now? You know what it reminds me of is, so... <laughs> In behaviorism or in any kind of like behavior modification in psychology, there are things that are like natural cues. So if you're trying to get somebody to do something, sure, you can like point to it or you can tell them to do it, but also sometimes there are just circumstances that will remind somebody what they need to do next, like mm -hmm. a natural cue. I'm trying to think of a good example. Um, well, like a really simple one would be like if your plate is empty, you have to stop eating. <laughs> And I think that's what's genius about Captain Sonar is it gives you natural cues. Like, there are built-in systems that aren't part of the rules, really, that are just, like, obviously, if you're trying to, to work against this team and they're talking about their strategy, you're going to listen. Right. You're reacting to how the other team sounds. You're communicating with each other. I don't know how much the game explicitly tells you about how you should communicate with each other, but really, that's the game. Yeah. The systems are to give you something to talk about, but ultimately, it is just about which team can interact more effectively. It makes you feel like a spy, and there aren't a lot of games that can make you feel that way. And who... Everyone wants to feel like a spy. <laughs> Honestly, like, that's the genius. I, I feel like I've already bragged about this once before, but I've got to brag about it again. I was... I was great as the radio operator. It's a tough job. It, it was, it was, but I really feel like I kind of cracked that system. It helped that our other team were being very sporting and were calling out their movements clearly, which mm -hmm. I, I'm grateful for that. I know that's, that if there's one flaw with the game, it is that um, you do kind of have to play honor system of when you make a movement or when you take an action, you have to say it clearly or else the game kind of falls apart. Yeah. I think my pick of the con is Last Friday. Last Friday was excellent. I didn't honestly expect to like it as much as I did. I was sure it was going to turn out to be clunkier than it was. Yeah, it was really... It, it's a bit of a thick rule book. Like, it seems like it'll be tough, but I will say it was a pretty well-written rule book. Because, was it? Yeah, I was the one who was reading through the rules, and they break it up by chapter, mm -hmm. so by each round of the game. And that way you don't have to read through the whole rule book to get started. You only need to read one round at a time. Okay, that is smart. I see. I just seem to remember there being a lot of rules questions that we had. Yeah, it was a little clunky in the beginning, especially with the setup. That mm -hmm. was a little messy, but it definitely improved as the rounds were continuing. That's good to know. And definitely, I, that was my experience. It was a little... I, the game was a little rough in the first round for me as well, but it, once, once it kind of got going, I feel like the game did everything that it was supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And now that we know how it works, like I think it would be a, a fairly simple game to get back into to play in the future. No, I mean, truthfully, I think it's probably one of the best uh, hidden movement games I've ever played, but what made it so great? <sighs> well, 
I think the best part of it for me was the fact that you get to take turns being the one doing the chasing. That's the most fun part, mm -hmm. is being the hider and the hide-and-seek of a hidden movement game. And so the fact that it's going to change every round means that everybody gets to to do both sides of it. I mean, when you play something like Fury of Dracula or Letters from Whitechapel, everyone's like, oh, next time I really want to play as Dracula or I really want to be Jack the Ripper. That's usually what I hear. It's kind of like being able to replay a game right then, immediately, but as part of a game. Right, and it's not only... It's a case where the story really kind of helps make the mechanics accessible. Because you're you're essentially acting out a... What was it? A, a 90, horror movie. A 90s horror movie. Set at uh, summer camp, which I love. Because it feels like an experience a lot of people have had. But the movie, it's great, because the movie is told in different acts. And what, so you've got the act where the killer has started killing, and then an act where the camp retaliates and tries to hunt down the killer. And then there's an act where the killer isn't really dead and is seeking revenge. Yeah. And each, so of those, each of those games is slightly different and has different rules, and that would be really difficult to learn if it wasn't for the fact that they all make sense in context of what's happening in the story. Yeah. They yeah. really take full advantage of that theme. And it's such a cool and unique theme. I don't... There are plenty of horror games on the market, mm -hmm. but there aren't any that I can think of that are about this particular trope of, like, the killer at the summer camp. And... It, even the board itself is just so evocative with the mm -hmm. lake in the middle and the fact that the maniac can swim across the lake, but the campers have to take a boat. Yeah, and there's only one boat. So exactly. You, you have to really coordinate where you leave that boat. Yeah. I remember being angry when um, the in the first mission, there are four cabins that players have to hide in, but everybody has the key to one cabin. <laughs> and... I got locked out during the first game <laughs> because everybody, once you retreat into your cabin, realistically, you know, you don't leave. Yeah. So one of the other players had the key to my cabin and they just locked themselves in theirs. <laughs> I mean, like, that probably tells you something about what you would actually do in a crisis. No, I mean, yeah, it was realistic, but it was just so, and it's, it's that thing board games do of, of course it doesn't matter. We're looking at cardboard moving around a board, but yeah. I felt genuine, like, how could you do this to me? How, It'll elicited a lot of strong reactions, because I know I mentioned this in our mini-sode, but the fact that, you know, I was standing right behind this camper, right at the door to the cabin, and he turned on a lamp, and I was right behind him, and he saw me, and he screamed. <laughs> I've never played another game that made somebody scream like that. That, that was an absolutely great moment. And what, that may have been my favorite single moment of the entire convention, because I knew I was right behind him, and I thought, like, oh, next turn I'm just going to, like, sneak up behind him and slit his throat. But I, it was almost better, the fact that, you know, he found out I was right there and he couldn't do anything about it because he was still <laughs> knocked out, locked out of the room. It was perfect. Yeah, it, it I really, really took such bliss you know, out of that. It's absolutely, I mean, that's the, that is the genius of the game, is every yeah. moment it created could have happened in a real horror movie. Yeah, it was... Such a fun game. Plus, you know, I love a unique theme, which this had in spades. I love a game that really takes full advantage of its theme. I love a hidden movement game. It had so many elements of things that I enjoy. So, Captain Sonar is good. Last Friday is good. You should play him. 
You should. <laughs> I just bought Captain Sonar because Miniature Market had a flash sale, and I nabbed it for like thirty-five dollars. That's a really good purchase. I can't can't disagree with that decision. Yes. Very excited. Well, should we hear from what some of the convention goers had to say about their favorite games? Let's do it. And we're doing it. And it's getting done. Well, what's but, your pick of the convention? Your favorite game that you've played so far? I like the 18xx games a lot, and I played one of those each day here, and so okay. those were probably my favorite. My pick of the convention has to be between two games. I really liked The Networks and Adrenaline. Those were two of my favorite games I played. What's so, your pick of the con? What's your favorite game that right. you've played so far? So, I would say Scythe is yeah. probably my favorite um, that I've played. I've played multiple times, and, and I had what is it about? To. What is it about Scythe? I, what I like is it's... I like this sort of diverse set of options that you have with the game. I like the, I like an asymmetric setup, but that still has, um, you know, balance. I think it's well, well designed in, in that regard. You know, we just played this one. Dang it, I'm not gonna remember the name of it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit like Pictionary, except it's like a big board, and you put. Um, concept? Concept, yes. Oh, tell us about Concept. Oh How did God, you like it? Was it was so much fun. It's a really great like party game. We weren't even keeping score or anything. Yeah. We were kind of playing it apples to apples-ish where you just like kept the card if you got it and one we person was going yeah. Exactly, yeah. And it was just really straightforward and simple and like you could play with a big group, you could play with a handful of people. Um, it was just really clever too the way that the board was laid out with all the different ways you can interpret the icons and everything. Yeah, I like that one a lot. I like I like party games a lot. I like social. Obviously, I'm super extroverted. I like all the socialness going on here. I also like Potion Explosion the best, I think, because everyone in the whole family could play it very easily. And there's lots of different ways you could win it. So you didn't have to necessarily stick with one strategy. There were lots of different ways to, to do well on it. My favorite game was also Potion Explosion. I like it because I like it. All marbles, and when we are using marbles anymore, you get to put them on top and rolls down into the hole, goes back into the dispenser. And, oh. and I think I did pretty well in it because I fished two potions in one turn. I, I liked uh, Heroes of Pescaria. Uh, it was a good family play. It's a, it's a quick play, which is, which is nice. So there's something that you wanted to uh, you know get off the shelf, and you know you can get through the game in half hour, hour tops, and so. Uh, we had a lot of fun playing that together as well. The one that I remember for sure was the Tower of Terror, which is a Cthulhu-based um, game. It's sort of based off of uh, Blockus. So you you drop marbles in a tower with Cthulhu tentacles sticking out of it, and the marbles the marble mechanism is punishment for failing your investigations. So then you have to draw a tentacle, and the marbles may or may not drop, sending you off into madness. So that sounds really interesting. That sounds good. And he's a huge Lovecraft fan. It's visually stimulating. So I, I really liked the tower, and that's what got me. And then it was a cool, you know, it's a simple mechanism. So it's not something you're going to spend hours learning to play. And it was a lot of fun. Scythe was yeah. impressive. I have to say, uh, we have friends who own that game. I watched them play the game, and I'm like, going, oh gosh, that looks horrible and terribly complicated. There's no way I'm going to enjoy that. My husband really wanted to play it, so I was like, okay, fine, I'll suck it up. <clears throat> we sat down, we get it set up. You know, setting it up and learning takes 40 minutes, probably. Thankfully, we had someone to help us. And I was like, ugh, I'm not really going to love this game. But that game 
despite the length, it doesn't feel that long. Yeah. And it's just so perfectly designed. Even so complex, the way it's laid out, and it's just, I thought, yeah, incredible job. But that game designer is known for that, and I should have given them credit for that. So I will never miss another Kickstarter by them again, because we <laughs> yeah. miss Scythe. So that was really good. I will just give a tiny shout out for Peptide, which is a little educational game, because okay. I'm, I'm a physician scientist, and so, you build a protein, and I have to say the way they designed it is ingenious, and it actually does it correctly. So you have to get the RNA cards and match the codon in order to build the peptide and use the ribosomes and the mitochondria. I thought that was really great, and I can't wait to play it with younger people. This is our second year going to Geekway, mm -hmm. and we're going to go again. Why do we keep doing that? crazy people. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think one of the best things about conventions is that you can get to be around people who are as nuts as you are about board games. I mean... It was absolutely an enthusiast convention. Everybody mm -hmm. there... You know, we talked about how we gamed really hard, but really, everybody there was doing the same thing we were. Yeah. And there aren't a lot of opportunities to pull out some of the games that we were able to try, things like Battlestar Galactica. I know we didn't have a great experience playing BSG, but I would not have had a chance to try that at any other setting. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, it, it, how much worse would it have been if I just bought it and let it sit on my shelf for years? Like, exactly. this is the time when you play that sort of game. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it really clarified what I, I do and don't want to add to my collection now that I've slowed down a lot of uh, my collection. My my collecting, because the only thing I took with me was a copy of Never Alone, which is not being sold in stores yet, and I got a copy, and it's amazing. I should have picked it up. That I'm was a so good excited. One. A good Although one. I still think it's a little bullshit that it's $30 for a game it, that small. It's too much. It should have been 20 It should have been, but I'm just happy that I finally get to own it, because it's this beautiful, asymmetric game. It's, you know, it's got hidden movement elements, but it's not, like, a map that you have to keep track of where you are. Well, and I love that it plays up to seven. That's mm -hmm. so... Uh, that makes such a big difference in how, you know, how, how many wonderful games do I have that I just never get to play because they cap at four, you know? Exactly. Yeah. I loved the Meeple system. Oh, sure, yeah. That's something that we had last year, too, but we definitely took full advantage of it. Although, I, th I think we used it more this this time around than we did last time. Yeah, and sometimes we would just like walk out into the hallway with the cover of the box and a meeple and just kind of like walk around trying to sell our games. But we always got people. We never had to wait too long to find other people willing to join us. Yeah, it's again when you're in a place where everybody is looking to do the same things you are. It's just it it's very easy for a game just to come together pretty organically. Mm -hmm. And I th I felt like the people we played with were just really nice. Yeah, uh, really. Really fun people. We should mention that, like, it. I don't know how to say this in an odd, non odd way, but it's a very safe convention. Like, it feels like a safe space, as in, you know, it's it's the kind of place where if you left something on the table, you could come back for it. It would still be there, or be in the lost and found. It, I didn't feel awkward about being, you know, a minority when it comes to being a woman at the convention. Like, I didn't experience any harassment. It just, it, 
it was just a really decent group of people. I mean, I left my iPad on the table for like four hours. I know. forgot about it and was able to go back and get it, so. Yeah, not that we recommend doing that if you can avoid it. Don't do your things. Don't yeah. be like me. But it, it, it is, I think it speaks, vo- it speaks volumes about the people in attendance that our, our things were totally safe. Yeah. And, you know... Uh, you also, I think, hear stories about going to conventions and people being aggressive or antisocial, and I don't think there was any of that. I think people were very friendly and willing yeah. to meet other people, and it, you know, it wasn't all about winning. It was about fun. I think part of that is the the purpose of this convention is to play games, and you know, some people come to Gen Con just because they want to be the first to get a game that's not been widely released yet, and there's only going to be very limited amounts available at Gen Con, mm-hmm. and so that's a, a very competitive reason to come, and it's something that you know you have to beat out a bunch of other people who want the same thing, and at Geekway, it's just all about playing with other people like there isn't that same reason to attend the con i see what you mean and also i think gen con has a number of very high profile tournaments yeah uh there are some tournaments there are a few at geekway of the west but just in general it's not as intensive an atmosphere no not at all yeah which i i personally enjoy well, shall we hear what some other convention goers like about Geekway and what makes them want to keep coming back? You're such a good host. Let's do it. <laughs> is this your first time at Geekway? This is my second year. Why do you keep coming back? Um, I really like board games and I try and find any excuse to play them. Well, this guy in particular seems fairly friendly. BGG.com is a nice one, but it, the people there are rather a little bit, bit more intense. So, what do you like about Geekway? I don't know if you go to other cons, but is there anything? Geekway particular? is so chill. I've not been to Gen Con, but I do like Dragon Con and stuff like that. Okay. And I like that this is mostly socializing. Like the whole point of the convention is sitting around playing games with other people, playing games you didn't get to play before. Um, you know, it's not a whole bunch of discussions and panels, and like I'm never that good at doing all that stuff at other conventions anyway. So like, it yeah, I, I like that it's about meeting people and playing games you haven't gotten to play before. You know, I would just you know I, I just love coming here and taking it all in and just kind of seeing what's there. Um, I might come by by the time next year rolls around, I might have that game I'm really ready to play, but. Uh, it's all about the experience, you know. Even if you don't have a game this year, really yeah, wanting to play, there's there's tons of them. You're gonna love a lot of them, you know. So I'm just looking forward to coming again and just getting the lay of the land and seeing what's out there. Yeah, so absolutely. Yeah, and I like the fact that we have all the the giveaways, the the ones that we got. I've never heard of some of the games that we received, but yeah. I'm very excited about trying them out. And you know, they're like instant uh, date nights for us. What are your initial impressions, and are you planning to come back? Yes, fun big. <laughs> One of my favorite things about Geekway is coming and getting to play games that don't even exist in the market yet. Yeah. So then you get to get involved in the Kickstarter or the something, and not only are you one of the first to own it, you like met the person who created it. That's fabulous. There were a couple that I saw this weekend that I'm planning on kickstarting when they go out. So I got to keep my eyes open. Yeah. It's not so antagonistic. You just you know everybody gets to have fun and not cut each other's you know. Heads also so there's cooperative games and then there's yeah. competitive games and you can find everything. Here. Some that so are competitive and not so 
Quick and dirty and light and fun. Yeah, light and fun's good. But everybody's here to have fun. So even when you get into a really competitive game, in this environment, people are sort of expecting some of that. And so you don't run into that one friend that you can never invite over to play a game because they don't want to play that game. They get their feelings hurt. Yeah. Here you can find people to play everything. Always. My second favorite mechanic about Geekway is the meeples. Oh, yeah. So that you can wander around and play games with people that you yeah. don't play with all the time. I just love the fact that you're getting together with people who are, you know, really, really passionate about having fun playing games. And it's all sorts of different kinds of people. It's not just... You know, I think people imagine this. When I tell my work colleagues I go to this, they're like, oh, wow, you're going to be surrounded by like 2,000 nerds. I'm like, no. We're all sorts of different people. We just all love coming together and playing games, and it's very cooperative, and people are so congenial, and like, oh, can I teach you that game? Or, you know, oh, let me show you this. Oh, do you want to get, you know, it's just, it's a really great crowd. They're friendly, and just, you know, the way you wish the whole world was, really. So any other advice that you want to add for people coming to Geekway of the West for the first time next year? Well, I'm trying to think what we learned that we didn't already know, because we talked a little bit advi about advice uh, on our last full episode. Mm -hmm. I did really like the suggestions that were made by the family that we interviewed to find another family to kind of hook up with and play together so mm -hmm. that the kids can play and the parents can play. But that does remind me of the fact that it is a, a fairly diverse group of people. I mean, we met... You know, everyone from kids still in high school to much older adults. We met families. There were people with babies there. I don't know if that's something that's as advertised about Geekway of the West, that really all ages are welcome. Yeah, it's definitely part of the culture there. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could bring your child to Gen Con, but you'd want to make sure that in case they got lost, you had, like, a meeting place. It would be a little more challenging. So I suppose let me frame the question this way. We've done this twice now. We definitely got better at it this year. Mm -hmm. I think we were better able to maximize our experience. What are you going to do next year differently? Mm. I'm definitely going to finally check out Fancy Gaming because I still didn't manage to wrangle it this year. That's the one thing I was a little eh about because the Fancy Gaming um, happened inside the bar at the hotel and I didn't want to spend a bunch of money on alcohol when we brought alcohol from home. Mm -hmm. And, it, you know, we were also playing other games. It wasn't just because of the money aspect of it. But it's an experience that I hear such good things about, and I really would like to try it out. Plus, I brought my wedding dress this year, and I didn't mm -hmm. get to wear it. And, you know, when else am I going to get to wear it again? It's not white. It's... It's okay. Well, I, I just found myself in an awkward situation where I need to get my suit tailored, and I'm going to get it done, but I wasn't going to get it done specifically for this convention. Yeah, so that's fair. When, when I've got a suit that fits, I'll, I'll definitely try that. I think it'll be something worth splurging on next year. Everyone who does it seems to really like it. Yeah. And I can see why. I, Getting I dressed would, up is really fun. I would like it if I could stay in the hotel next year. I don't know if that's really gonna happen and certainly a better deal to do an airbnb mm -hmm. but i do like the idea of just being able to stay in the hotel especially now that i know that there's a free happy hour included uh -huh. oh wow yeah that's as right part of that so uh, that would make me reconsider next year is there anything else that i would do differently uh bringing more people getting more people involved that i 
love and think would enjoy the event. And I, I would definitely be a little more mindful of which games are going to be popular in the play and win so that I can grab them early on, like, Thursday. That was going to be one thing I was going to say, is do a little bit more research into the play and win and really try and pick out what are going to be the most because, like, every single game we wanted to play was available on Thursday. Mm -hmm. But as the convention went on and as we tried other things, a lot of those titles started to disappear more and more. Exactly. And I think we could have had a really efficient Thursday where we'd done a little bit of research and looked up some of the rules in advance and really just kind of beasted through some of those games. So I think that would be worth trying. Yeah. The other thing that I want to try is I want to just grab maybe one or two games that are in my collection that I never get to play and try and set them up and play them. Mm -hmm. I was thinking especially... On Sunday would be a good time. Sunday would be a great time, because really by then we had played most of the games that we really wanted to play. And the library closes, the play and wins close. But people still want a game. Exactly. Yeah, I think especially about And and Abyss, a game... Usually if a game sits in my collection and I don't play it, I get rid of it. Mm-hmm. And I can't get rid of And and Abyss because it is such a brilliant design. I need to try it. It's... Oh, man. Oh, I should have brought it around. <laughs> yeah. Well, tell me about it. I don't actually know much about it. And and Abyss is part of... Volko Runke's coin series, which are games oh, about insurgency yeah. and counterinsurgency. Yeah, yeah. And so he, I believe, wore, did some kind of intelligence work for the CIA. And so I wouldn't exactly say the games are simulations so much as they are models. I think he's really viewing them as trying to... He's making them so that you should at least understand a little bit more mm. about the situations they represent when you play them. So Ante and Abyss is about the struggle between the in Colombia in the 90s between the government and the FARC and the AUC and the drug cartels are in the mix as well. So you've got four factions you can play. Each one plays by slightly different rules and each one play each one has a slightly different win condition. And just by the nature of the ways that they interact, there are really no alliances. Only one side wins, but the as the balance kind of shifts from faction to faction, certain factions will necessarily find themselves having to interact just because one faction can do something that another one can't. Mm. And the decisions that that forces and the negotiation that you have to do, um, those are just brilliant decisions. I, yeah. I, love, I love the decision-making it forces you to have to do. But I think also it's one of those things that it's hard not to feel a little bit reverent a little bit of reference towards the the historical situations the game is trying to represent because it's clearly just done with such care and such respect. It's mm-hmm. not like, you know, you play a game like Risk, which is, just to throw out an example, uh, a game about war, and it's treated so lightly and with no thought at all, yeah. you know? I couldn't say that at all for games in the coin series. The, coin, the games in the coin series have really put a lot of thought into what they're trying to represent and are really trying to just do it well mm-hmm. and in, in a way that that's respectful and that fits the the gravity of the situations they're representing. I think I've just started to pin down some of the issues that I have with wargaming. I know this is not necessarily about Geekoid of the West, but I have to put it out there. Oh, do you tell, do you tell. Okay, so 
<laughs> this is gonna sound so dorky. I'm just gonna f go full dork right here. I'm s I'm really into musical theater, is what you need to understand. <laughs> okay. I'm I'm already thrown off, but in, in a good way. I, I want to see where this goes. Okay, so I was watching the Hamilton special on PBS. Okay. Of course. Of course. And Lin Manuel Miranda was talking about how when he was writing that musical that he talked to, I think it was Sondheim who wrote Assassins. If I'm wrong, I'm going to hate myself, but I think it was Sondheim. And he was getting, you know, recommendations on how to write a historic-based musical. And Sondheim was like, just make sure that the the history doesn't overtake the story. Mm -hmm. That, like, the most important thing is telling a story, not necessarily being historically accurate. And I think for me, that's the issue I sometimes have with war games, is that by trying to be historically accurate and, and represent real things that have happened in specific battles and such, that sometimes the games can lose sight of the fact that they're supposed to, still supposed to be games and still supposed to be fun. Well, and I think this is where a lot of GMT's war games shine, is that they're not exactly simulations, mm -hmm. but I think the best ones ultimately manage to still feel like the situations that they're trying to represent. Like, yeah. That's really the best thing. We don't need simulations. Yeah, an inspiration, not a simulation, I think would it, be an ideal war game. Absolutely, yeah, totally. That's very well said. Thank you. <laughs> and I even got a musical theater reference in there. Well, I bam. I, I didn't think that was even going to be a part of it. But <laughs> yeah. I'm impressed. I will have to say, another thing that I'm definitely going to do again next time that we go to Geekway is to make a bunch of healthy snacks ahead of time because I was so glad that I just like had bags of snacks. I know you're not really supposed to bring your own snacks into the new convention center, but it was just, it was really nice not to have to eat fries every time we started getting peckish and it helped us keep going to finish up a game before dinner time or whatever. The energy that we had during the convention I think was largely a part of the way that we eat because we mm -hmm. ate because we avoided junk food and didn't drink too much. Yeah. And I think that meant that the whole time that we were playing, we were clear-headed, we were having fun, but we were also in a state where we could learn. Yeah. We could pay attention. We could make decisions. Yeah. You know? It yeah, uh, taking care of yourself, I think, absolutely enhances your con experience. I would really like to set aside some games for next year that we could play in the evenings. We're not necessarily in the mood for anything, like, heavy and intense. Like, we're tired, but we still might want to play one more game. Mm -hmm. I think it would be wise to set aside some more relaxing games to play during those times. Yeah, so launching into a big epic game at uh, 8 o'clock is the wrong... Mage night at 10 p.m. maybe isn't the best decision. We didn't do that. But there was talk of it. There was talk of it. <laughs> then we got home and we realized that was unreal. Maybe that's unwise. Unrealistic. Jaipur all night long. Jaipur was quite good. Yeah, it's always good. Well, should we hear what some of the people we talked to, what their advice would be for yes. our listeners? We're very lucky that we talked to some very smart people. We did. They had great advice. Let's hear what they had to say. If you were going to talk to somebody who was going to attend Geekway for the first time, mm -hmm. any tips you would make or ideas you would have so they could make the most of their convention? Um, yeah, um, you know, be willing to hang out with people. You know, like you'll see people, there's little signs that say, 
<laughs> That's Eleanor's advice for game players. She's a pro. It's her second one, and she's only 13 months old. So like, she's a she. Yeah, she is definitely an old pro at this by now. So that's her good advice. Um, but yeah, hang out with people, meet people you don't know. You know, people have their little signs up that say players wanted, and looking for players, and looking for leaders and stuff. Just go hang out with them. God, yeah. <laughs> If you were trying to tell a new con goer how to get the full con experience, what would you tell them? How, how do you do this? Okay, on Friday, I try to find a group that wants to do a sort of in-depth, heavy game that could take, you know, an afternoon. A game yeah. that you try to schedule. That's a good day to do it. And I think a Friday, you know, sort of morning afternoon is the of an ideal time. When you're going to have some energy. Exactly. For families attending to this, this convention for the first time, do you have any tips or suggestions on how to make the most of Geekway to the West? I would say uh, some of the things that worked well for us this year, number one, we had friends who had been previous attenders, so we, we were we were <laughs> give, giving this advice ahead of time, but it's nice to pair up with families who have kids of approximate ages. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that way, you know, there's some time for the family to sit down around some games and see what we like, but also some time to get the kids together and, uh, you know, the, they can interact as well and let the adults play a little bit of the, some of their own games uh, at the same time. And... Uh, you know, uh, make arrangements for anybody who's, uh, you know, we all have those kids who are just a little too young to come. We have a three-year-old who's at home with their grandparents right now. So okay, yeah. I, I think that if you, you realize which kids are capable and which kids probably need to, to miss the convention, at least, you know, until they're a little bit older, that also helps. One of our friends, they have a rule that if you can't read, you can't come to geek, can't come to geek way. So um, we kind of cut that same rule with uh, if you can read, you get to come. So it's hard when you're looking at a room full of oh, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds of people, and they're all hanging around. You got some people that want you to invite to their game, and you actually have to make yourself go up to them and sit down. And after you do that, it's easy, but it's hard to get yourself to do it. You just have to push past that. So I would say every year try to spot a couple of people in your circle of acquaintances that have never heard of it or who have never been and talk them into coming so that you constantly have higher attendance and a turnover of new and interesting blood coming in to play and use the meeples. When you come, don't play with all of the same people that you play with. Uh, you know, if you play every Friday or every month or you go to Pieces in St. Louis and you, you play games there, play with some different people. Use those meeples, get people you've never played with before, offer to be a teacher so that you get out there and expand the gaming world and get more people into Geekway. Because they're supposed to, I believe, be selling a few more tickets again next year. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to buy those tickets when they go on sale because they sell out. Oh, that's the so, you yeah, gotta decide. Now. Yeah, that's the number one. Buy your ticket. You play, play to win. You play, play win. So you can win games as well as those are the newest and most fun games out there. Yeah. Um, the really strategic people, like my husband, well, they release the play to wins about you know at least a month, usually a little bit more before the con comes. They may add a few ones at the end, but usually not. But they release the list, so you take the list, you go to Board Game Geek, you do the research on the ones you know you want to play, especially if it's something that's going to be really popular. If you know early on, you have a much better chance of getting your hands on it. So you do your research and kind of plan out the ones you want to play. 
you know. Ideally, if you can come with friends and you always have a set, that's great, but you can always recruit player wanted, especially if it's a popular game. Like, no one ever has a problem filling the maps for Terraforming Mars, for example, or Mysterium, or things like that. So the main thing is, Give yourself a break, chill, take some breaks. Because sometimes you, you will, my first con, we just played, played, played. I cried out. Yeah. Like, ended up with a migraine at the end of the second day. It was no good. Take breaks, go get fresh air, keep hydrated, and for goodness sakes, eat. Yes. So, those are the main things. And don't skip fancy gaming. <laughs> Do you have any wrap-up thoughts? You should go to Geekway of the West. <laughs> is my wrap-up thought. So Geekway of the West is a convention. <laughs> it's a good convention. We like it. We, we want to keep going. You should go too. I have to say, I was really blown away to learn so much from my cousin about uh, like the time and care that the board puts into putting on this convention. The fact that it's all volunteer. I just, I know I've said this on Facebook. I'm sure I said it when I was actually interviewing her, but you really feel the love that's put into this convention and it's a really special thing. Well, yeah, especially I, we got the impression that the people who actually put this thing on, um, they don't get to do a ton of gaming yeah. while they're at the convention. Which, Some, I mean, a fair amount. But I, I think it really, it says a lot about how committed they are to just creating a space where the rest of us can get to do that. So really, we get to, we get to have fun. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're creating the kind of convention that they want to attend. It's such a labor of love. I'm, I'm, just, I'm really grateful. I want to make sure that in the coming years I continue to express my gratitude to the people running this convention because, um, you know, if they weren't willing to put in that time and effort we wouldn't have such amazing experiences. So we actually got to talk a little bit with your uh, with your cousin about the convention. So yeah. I figure we'll go ahead and do our usual outro nonsense, but maybe after the maybe after our outro, we'll go ahead and just tack that interview on the end if you want to learn a little bit more about the it's, convention. Yeah, it's definitely worth listening to because I just felt like as a board member, my cousin has a really unique perspective about how this convention is put together and you know, what it, what it takes to get something like this to the scale that it's grown to. Mm -hmm. So, and you know, until next time. We wish you good games. Good friends. And goodbye. goodbye. Then they started getting bigger, they started having t-shirts, they started um, 
branching off into like just renting conference rooms and hotels and staying at them and now 13, 14 years later it's about 2,500 people. What's your standout game at the convention? <laughs> um, well this year I think the one that I enjoyed playing the most was Pursuit of Happiness, which is funny. I, I didn't really think I would like it as much as I did, but it did. I ended up going and buying it after nobody had even won it. So now it's mine. I, I totally want to play that with you because we like I was looking for it after you told me about it because your description was so interesting. Oh yeah. yeah. Especially having grown up with life and knowing yeah, it's not the greatest game. Yeah, I know. It that. it adds so many more dimensions to the idea of the game of life and it makes more sense and it doesn't saddle you down with eighteen children in a tiny car that it they won't fit in. That's a depressing so. life. Well, not for everybody. For some people, that would be for that game, because none of your kids fit in your little car that only holds six pegs. Yeah. So. Poor game design. <laughs> is what we're talking about. Oh, when was that? Sixties, seventies. Give them a break. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes, I, re I recall the game line very well because I drew mustaches on all the character, all the people on the box who are the family that are playing the game. Oh, that's great. So that's permanent. <laughs> um. So. I wanted to ask you a little bit about what makes Geekway so special because you're on the board and I feel like you've, you've been to the convention for a few years and you know about, we, we have an idea about what makes this con so special, but what would you say? It's definitely all the different personalities and backgrounds and experiences that are represented on the board. Like, our meetings are ridiculous, there's 16 of us, even when we get off topic and off track we can always pull ourselves back onto it. Because um, I mean, we all have things to do. We, we all do this as volunteers. We all have day jobs as well. So we fit this all in whenever we can. Like Starting in August or September, we have one meeting a month on a, some Thursday. And that's almost all we see of each other to get this together. So we have to get a lot done, and we do. And a big part of that is that we're all complete volunteers. It's all just what we want to do with our time. This con really feels like a labor club. I feel like the, the money that's poured into it is immediately put into making the convention better, and you can tell. Oh yeah. It, it is all about uh, value here. I mean, we like I said, we're all volunteers. Even though Geekway is technically a for-profit organization, every cent of the profit we make goes right back into the convention for the next year. Is there anything else you'd like people who attend and love Geekway to know about how the convention put together, how the, what the board does? Uh, well, we, we kind of have a mantra uh, among the board is it's uh, that we're trying to create a convention that we want to go to. Even though we don't get the full benefit of it, like we don't win prizes, we don't go in the drawings, we're working two, three, four hour shifts every other day here and there, just helping out whenever we can. Um, it's just crazy. <laughs> what you wanted people to know about the economy or about um, like how, how it works, what the board does? Oh, um, well, like I said, we're, we're just trying to make a convention that we want to go to. So everything we do, we think about it as if we were attendees, not staffers. 
Um, so that has a lot to do with some of the decisions we make, where we place things, just the little stuff like these easels along the back wall with the letters so, so that people helpful. can find what column they're in and the numbers at the ends of the tables. We probably had two or three meetings worth of discussions about how to do that. So, and it worked. It worked out great. Absolutely. The only thing that we should have done differently with that is that there should have been giant numbers on easels instead of on these table poles, which our entire board has lovingly termed crotch poles. <laughs> okay, so some changes for next year, but it sounds like you guys are making a very effort to learn from oh, yeah. as you grow. We, we have, like, all, all day, every day, we, we have a, an admin Slack channel that we are all a part of. We've got a sub-channel in there where we just talk about lessons learned. What can we do differently next year? What can we do to make it better? What has someone said that really resonated with us that made sense that maybe we never thought of? Because we are not the same as every single person that comes to our con. So anything we can do to accommodate the most people in the best way can't really go wrong. Well, you might have another question, but my last question is how can I get some of those awesome people here? Oh, I'll make you some. No, that was going to be my last. <laughs> yeah, no, that I That was going to be my question as well. I, oh, nice. I made these myself, and I will be making a bunch more next year. This year, I couldn't make as many as I wanted to because I was finishing my master's degree. And now that's done forever. Just that. Just yeah, a just that. <laughs> just a master's degree. So now... I have that going on and that's done and I never have to do it again so now I can spend all my spare time drilling tiny holes through meeples that I buy from wherever I get them on the internet and putting little loops through them and making them into earrings for people. I mean they're adorable. Everybody I've seen wearing them, there's like a couple people I've seen wearing them, I've been like, I want some of them, where do I get that? Take me to there. The no. Geekway Swag booth in the vendor hall, open 10 to 5. <laughs> uh, in all in all seriousness, though, um, I do want to know just um, if it's somebody's first time attending this or any other convention, what should they know? What do you need to know to get the best experience here? Um, you need to know about play and win. You need to know that everybody is just super friendly. If you're just walking by and you see a game that looks like it's only got two or three people at it, don't be afraid to just ask, hey, do you need another player? Hey, I want to learn this game. Hey, do you know what you're doing? Or, hey, I know what I'm doing. Can I help you out? So that you can just meet a lot of people and play a lot of games. The best thing to do is be friendly, be open, and just jump in. Be a good giving gamer? Yes. <laughs> that, that's great. Good. That's good. I thought we'd already said that once we before. We did. I forgot about that. Every once in a while, we say clever things. <laughs> <laughs> it happens from time to time. That's much better than... Uh, Good sports world from yesterday, or bad sports world. We're talking to people who board games. Um, they're they're bad sports worlds. Yeah, we, we frown upon that, but which I don't is think why it was we. This year. No, it actually wasn't, and um, part of that was due to some uh, software upgrades that we have for the library and play and win checkout system. They uh, they constantly refresh the top ten longest checked out games, and after a certain amount of time being checked out, they turn red they flash at us so then during daily announcements we can go and shame those people into giving them back yeah that's a good system no, no, nobody needs a play and win game out for nine hours no unless it's Twilight Imperium well 
Well, then they're going to have to come make a case for it. Because <laughs> uh, that's when our stuff turns red. That's when we go hunting. That's fine. All right. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time. No problem. Yeah, thanks so much for sitting down with us.